Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the family and discipleship pastor at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Pastor Anthony Trussoni, the supported elder at Poland Baptist Church in Poland, Maine. Good afternoon, Ben. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing okay. Uh, how about you? Doing all right. So it's uh, it's been a rainy week here, which is better than some of the heat I know the South is having. I assume you've got, it's probably, what, 280 degrees outside now? Uh, it feels like it nearly. Yeah, it's been a lot hotter this week than, uh, I guess, up until this point. So, yes, my kids have been able to go to the pool a couple of times this week, and so they really are enjoying that. Okay. So, have you been, has it been too hot to exercise much? Uh, you know, I don't tend to go outside and exercise that much, uh, so I do it in inside, uh, hopefully with AC most of the time. Though my daughter has, uh, I'm really proud of her, she's gone out and done some outside running with some kids from school uh, for conditioning. Uh, um, and so, they, now they do it in the morning, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'd want to go outside right now and do exercise. I don't know, what's it like up there? You, yeah, it's been, again, a little rainy, but it's been nice enough. I've been able to do some weightlifting outside. I need to do more of it, but we I do a lot of my elliptical inside. But uh, actually, I, I on top of something that we're going to connect to our podcast today, uh, I basically have like yoga mats set up underneath my elliptical so it doesn't scoot all over my floor. The- yeah, so you're talking about being outside and lifting weights. Um, I, you remember Liver King? I do remember Liver King. <laughs> so I, I saw a video of him, he like laying on his driveway, you know, pumping iron, like just directly on the driveway. So that's kind of what I'm envisioning you doing, maybe on your yoga mat. Not uh, quite. So <laughs> anyway, but uh, you know, I, so today actually in the podcast, I want to talk about an exercise, specifically yoga and the Christian life. I, I think something. This is a topic that I think not a lot of Christians have talked about. And it's kind of been, we just don't talk about this with the exception of Al Mohler, who talks about this issue quite a lot. And, uh, and I think it's <laughs> worth our discussion, especially as we navigate a next generation ministry. So knowing that this is especially popular among young people. I mean, I, I, you know, just before I ask the question, I mean, I, I think an evident demonstration of it was back in 2010, it kind of was noteworthy. It was in the news when, during uh, the Obama's uh, the Obama's presidency, and there was like a yoga demonstration. There was like a yoga thing at the egg roll that happens at the White House, and people were kind of reacting to that. But now, I mean, that's extremely normal. That would one hundred percent not be in the news. I mean, so much so that I remember walking past it at a Great Wolf Lodge one time. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that I have, have seen that they do that. Now, if Donald Trump did yoga, I think that would be newsworthy. I mean, really, if whatever he does is people are like, oh, my goodness, Donald Trump did this. You know, so I, I would be amusing to see Donald Trump doing yoga, I think. I won't comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you have much experience yourself with yoga, Ben? Well, one time. Um okay. One time, uh, wow, I guess about 20 years ago, I was fairly young, and I went with someone who wanted me to come to, it was a yoga with Pilates, I think. It's been a little bit, so forgive me if my 
memory of it's a little rusty, but uh, I did go to the class, and then you know the the instructor brought the lights down. I thought, whoa, this is feeling uncomfortable. And then um, you know back at that time, Under Armour was really getting going and becoming popular, and from what I remember, they they mainly made like the real tight compression stuff. It wasn't all the shirts and all that kind of thing. And so there was this guy wearing this real tight shirt and it was sleeveless and, you know, it was real form fitting. And I see him over there like doing the prayer pose. And I just wanted to laugh because I just thought he, he, you know, in my opinion, he looks silly because of the, the whole get up and stuff. Um, I did not participate in all the, the activities there. I mean, I was a Christian at the time. Um, I, I just had, I, I don't even remember where, they came from, but I did have some hesitations about it. Uh, I certainly wasn't emptying my mind or anything like that. But then some of the physical things they were having us do, that was actually kind of challenging. And again, it was combined with Pilates, but um, it was an uncomfortable experience. And then it led to an uncomfortable conversation later with the, the person that I'd gone with and, you know, some uh, some animosity, I guess. But, um, you know, we got past it. So okay. how about you? Yeah, so I have not had as much experience personally doing yoga, uh, but it's really all around me, uh, including in schools. You know, I've had experience with our kids being asked to and even told to do yoga, uh, which has been fun in public school system. Uh, I've been, you know, around even church contexts where uh, I was at a church building for a, tr- a meeting of multiple churches, and I think there was a yoga, a church yoga thing happening in the gym as I was walking past with some other pastors. Uh, but I, w- I was into Eastern religion uh, in early high school before I became a Christian, uh, but not really as much into yoga, although because I basically was a Buddhist, uh, some of my friends did, older friends did practice yoga, but it wasn't essential to kind of the Zen type of Eastern religion experience. But I've certainly known people that do it for profoundly Buddhist reasons. Okay. Now, what do you, why do you think yoga and mindfulness, the similar kind of issues, have become so popular, including among Christians, especially in the past few years? Well, I mean, cultural trends come and go, and people see things, and, and we tend to go, oh, well, so-and-so's doing it. Oh, well, so-and-so's doing it, too. And then it, it, things gain momentum, and maybe some fear of man factors in there. Uh, I think people, you know, we latch on to the culture that we're in as Christians. Um, We're affected by it, whether uh, for good or for bad, we just, we can't help but being affected by it. I think too, because people say, oh man, there's so much stress and anxiety. This seems relaxing and it's sort of spiritual-esque and maybe I can kind of put a uh, distinctively Christian spin on it. Maybe, you know, it seems like it might be helpful. Uh, I guess those are just my observations. I don't really sat down and talked with someone who was doing yoga uh, specifically as a Christian. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, that's a good question. I'll take that out. So, yeah, I have some, definitely have some thoughts. I think we have kind of embraced a synchronistic mo- a moment. Uh, and, uh, they, you know, where people really are embracing multiple elements of faith together. And, and I think in general it's become more and more the case, even among Protestants to some degree, where religiosity is kind of just kind of like going to the buffet. You know, you pour a little bit of this in, on your plate, pour a little bit of that on your plate. I mean, we see that even in, for example, that there's more and more uh, professing Christians that believe in ghosts, interacting with ghosts, even though it kind of 
goes against the biblical worldview of after death. Uh, and uh, but I think in addition to this, I think there's there's been a lot of talk in our culture about psychological well-being and uh, kind of about pop psychology. And I think this kind of fits this kind of to, uh, what I call a Today Show approach to psychology. As in, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not really something. The view or something. Yeah, exactly. You know, just something, you know, that's kind of bite-sized, that's maybe not true or not, maybe true or maybe not true, uh, but uh, is definitely quiche. And, uh, and I think it kind of fits with that kind of thing rather than necessarily through a thorough study of the human mental self. Uh, but I also think there's kind of an absence of religiosity in our culture more and more. And as a result, I think our culture has craved a deeper sense of self, even kind of a deeper deeper ontology uh, to kind of answer some basic questions and explore kind of our place in the universe. And, and so I do think yoga really you know, it, it's found a hole to fill up pretty easily with this kind of percent, pursuing of deeper sense of self and deeper idea of pers- approach to ontology. That's a good point. Yeah, just that the interest in spirituality is, is up, um, but maybe interest in organized religion is down. And sort of, I can just kind of make my own thing here at the salad bar. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, salad bar is probably a better comparison because most of the people I, that, uh, I know that are into yoga. I don't really go to buffets. You don't ever imagine somebody put, you know, uh, somebody finishing up yoga and then piling on pizza and a baked potato on their plate afterwards. <laughs> Maybe it happens, but I just don't tend to think about it in my head. That that is a fun image. Now, is yoga just about stretches on a comfy mat, Ben? You know, I, I am not an expert on this. I have. Um, not really read much on yoga. I have listened to a number of things about the origins of yoga, and I've heard some conflicting things. But I, one of the dominant dominant strengths that I've heard is its co- uh, connection to spiritual practices from Eastern religion, um, and trying to connect with the universe. I've also heard that it has um, some. What you call it, sexual baggage or something that goes with it? Um, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but the, the, there possibly are some uh, some things there. But um, yeah, but pantheistic religions and or varieties of things like that. Um, so I, I don't know. You're you're probably more well versed in this than me, especially since you even said that you. I, I didn't even know this about you until just a few minutes ago uh, about your Buddhist background. Well, the more you know. So, uh, yeah, I, I think this question is intriguing because even the, the terms that we get are kind of confusing with, you know, people just refer to what, you know, yoga and they're referring to kind of the exercises, you know, downward dog and stuff like that. Uh, but that's a real oversimplification because that would be called hatha yoga. Uh, and it is one of several yogas. I mean, there are multiple yogas, uh, which are all kind of Hindu and Buddhist religious practices. Hind- Hinduism and Buddhism both have somewhat of different a list of yogas, but you know, a lot. They're all really efforts to kind of connect to the inner inner divine as well as the divinity of the universe. Uh, and actually, yoga in that it basically means oneness with the Brahma. I mean, that would be kind of a 
uh, literalistic maybe definition of it uh, the in light of the kind of hi- uh, the Hindi it was written in so uh, that's basically and Brahma is the word for God the kind of pantheistic God of Hinduism that is every where everything is God and and so the yoga as a word it's meant to express this kind of a pursuit of oneness with that that pantheistic God and, and really uh, that they even the goal i mean and essentially all literature on yoga historical literature even a lot of that uh, yoga instructors now have more awareness that really the goal is is a kind of sense of awareness uh, that would be called samadhi uh, and samadhi so samadhi kind of is this idea of you know you're, you're aware of, of self and connection to reality and connection to the world around you and and even in that it's not an awareness of like oh intellectual I, I know that with a place and time I'm in but no I'm kind of one I'm kind of in connection with all that is uh, and so sometimes yoga is a little more than is a little more than just stretches that's true sometimes what people call yoga for and ends up amounting to nothing really but stretches on yoga mats, especially. But I still think even when that happens, you know, it's not really just stretches in a comfy mat because I think names mean everything. I think the names that we use mean a great deal and has an impact both on our witness and on our worship. Mm-hmm. So. I, I'm interested, Tony. How are you able to record this podcast being in the downward dog position this whole time? <laughs> it's tricky. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so now, how might yoga be a theological matter? Well, I mean, if we're dealing with spiritual practices to connect with the universe, um, we're possibly dealing with sexual stuff. Um, I mean, these are spiritual matters. And I mean, some of the stuff about you know emptying yourself to connect with the divine, these kind of things. Um, I suspect fear that it could be flirting with some demonic influence um, that I I certainly don't want to invite. And so I think you know you're certainly you're touching on these spiritual matters, and spiritual matters are theological matters. It's not that we have theological beliefs over here, and then sort of the spirituality is just sort of whatever you want it to be at the salad bar. Um, yeah. after you finish yoga, you know, it's, they're very connected. Yeah, that's good. So, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of things there that are theological. So it, it really, it does go all the way to theology proper, kind of basic theology of, of God. Uh, because obviously, I mean, the, even the word yoga is to imply that, you know, there's not a, the God of the Bible, but kind of this vague God. Uh, it, mm-hmm. You know, it really navigates the right kind of medica- meditation. So meditation is both a biblical word and a you know, Eastern religious word. And uh, the theology and meditation of scripture is a very, very different thing from that kind of meditation where biblical meditation tends to focus exclusively focuses more on bringing truth in rather than taking things out uh and what fascinates me too is i think the idea of really emptying self uh doesn't really square uh, with a belief in total depravity, and the idea that basically that we that we achieve a kind of salvation, a sense of salvation, a sense of unity by by emptying oneself up of the outside influences, it, it does not jive with a biblical idea that actually sin comes from our hearts. And so, you know, if we were to take all the influences out and just be in touch with our inner self, we're touch being in touch with sin itself. Mm. 
Yeah. Now, how do you think scripture speaks to religious practices with broad benefits like yoga? Or maybe you know of scripture passages that directly say, don't do yoga, guys. <laughs> uh, well, that's a good question. I had to think about this. I think in one sense there is common grace, um, that there, there can be some benefits from a physical standpoint or emotional standpoint uh, from yoga. Um However, um, we also want to be mindful and careful about um, the origins of something. Like you said, names matter. Now, as we were talking about this, I started thinking about, say, Halloween. And we've done an episode on one or two on yeah. Halloween before. And the background on that is kind of complicated. Um, with this, most of what I, I am aware of about yoga is not quite as complicated. It's kind of clear, um, the origins of it. And so um, – but then – also, what came to mind as I was preparing for this was uh, the meat sacrifice to idols principle. Yeah. Um, and so Paul was okay eating meat sacrificed to idols, um, provided that it was not going to be a stumbling block to others. Um, but I, I certainly think um, if we're doing the full out thing and we're trying to connect with uh, the divine and connect with God and, and these kinds of things through that um, scripture just hasn't told us so that we need that now I will get maybe some more details in that in a minute but um, yeah the, the issue though of meat sacrifice to idols and, and some of the, the principles around that um, come to mind is at least something worth discussing yeah. um, but I, I, what are you thinking on these terms yeah a lot of people bring out the meat sacrifice to idols and i think there's some truth in the exercises which we can get to but i i do wonder if some sense is that some of the biblical teachings on idolatry do hold to me more sway uh especially because you know i, I almost feel like I, I was i was reading a christian a response that says christians can do yoga it's such a great thing and you know the meat sacrifice to idols but even in that context this really would be more like paul's saying that it's okay to eat meat sacrificed to idols and you know what why don't you why don't you do it and part of the church building and call, and use the terms that you know the that the bales use that <laughs> use you know well, well we'll have bail worship but you know we're not really worshiping bail but we're going to call it bail worship <laughs> the gym today so no I, an excellent point and uh, but i do think of some biblical passages about the dangers of idolatry i uh, do me 12 29 through 32 uh it says when the lord your god cuts off before you the nations whom you go in to dispossess and you dispossess them and dwell in their land uh take care that uh, you be not ensnared to follow after follow them after they've been destroyed uh, before you and that you do not inquire about their gods saying how did the nations serve these gods that i may also do the same uh, you shall not worship the lord you shall not worship the lord your god in that way for every abominable thing that the lord hates they have done for their gods, for they even burn their sons and daughters and the fire to their gods. Everything that I commanded you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to it or take from it. And I think that, to me, the context of that seems to be it's not navigating people giving up 
uh, their religion for the sake of embracing idolatrous religion, but it's kind of basically adding it on. It's kind of tacking it, gluing it on to their faith in God. So, you know, you've got, you've got Yahweh, but then you got these little gods to the side as well. And, and, the, and Deuteronomy is very clear that, that that's not an option. And so I think the religious aspect of that, uh, the, um, that I think play a huge part. Yeah, I think that's a good. Like I said, the the issue came to mind, but it's yeah, it's a little different as well. Um, and I, I like the analogy about we're gonna have this area of the church building, and you know we're gonna um, have a Zeus party or you know whatever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, now, are there any other Christian concerns about yoga that you think we need to understand today? Well, I, like I was mentioning earlier. Uh, Second Peter one talks about that that uh, everything we need for life and godliness, the God has given to us. And mm. so, if we needed yoga for life and godliness, then God would have revealed it to us in Scripture um, as a pathway that was necessary for us to receive God's grace, to be conformed to the image of Christ, to to walk in obedience and love. And He's not done that. Yeah. He's t- told us to pray. Uh, he's told us to meditate, and I think different kind of meditation um, than what's going on maybe in connection with yoga or if, I don't know if they say they're meditating or not, but different kind of mental activity. How about that? Yeah. Um, and so I think that that's uh, yes. Well, particularly the, the physical movements and things like that, I really have less issue with some of that, but to call it some of these other things. And if you bring the lights down and do the stuff with the music and it's like really mirroring, you know, the, uh, the Baal Zeus uh, party; um, those are whole other concerns. Um, but it's seeing this, like, oh man, if you're just missing the boat, if you're not doing this, um, if we if we really need this to become like Christ, um, then then that's a concern. Yes, we should jump on that that bandwagon. But God has not revealed that to us in Scripture. So um, I think that's uh, that that's the biggest thing that comes to mind for me. But how about you? Yeah. So. Yeah, I think on top of those things, those are good points. But I think it opens doors to other elements of Eastern religion is one thing. And I don't mean to use this as a slippery slope fallacy by any stretch, but I think it clearly does. I mean, I think those who have embraced uh, a lot of yoga, even in churches, have have kind of accepted a lot of the things with it. I mean, even a simple things, you know, when schools do yoga and they try to kind of de-religiousize it. Uh, I remember our kids were during covid lockdowns our kids were sent yoga videos to do at home and at least one if not multiple ended with a namaste which is a profoundly religious statement in eastern religion that basically says i bow to the god inside of you and uh, i mean it's really really clearly religious statement uh, i mean i don't think very many people really argue with that now uh and on top of that it's just is frankly the case that many of many practitioners and many leaders in yoga tend to be pretty deep into eastern religion I mean, you know, if you find, I mean, those who studied, you know, yoga in India that are teaching in America, it tends to be the case that they're not just doing it as, oh, I found this wonderful exercise and so I went across the world for it. (laughs) There tends to be more religiosity, even in the average yoga in the park, there tends to be more religiosity in what the instructor was going to say, where oftentimes even the history of yoga, yoga teachers is that yoga teachers have often functioned effectively 
really as priests of Eastern religion. And so you're kind of sitting under a, under a false pastor in ways. I, I think, mm. frankly, this, I actually know of a, that happening in a church too, by the way. Uh, and last, I think, frankly, this can be a modesty question. You know, I mean, people have brought up some some elements of yoga that are modesty questions, whether it be and, and what people wear for yoga or even the poses themselves. I mean, Al Mohler has written a good deal about it and he argues that basically that yoga is almost always inherently sexual uh, and sexual mo- movements. And I don't know fully if I agree, but I definitely think it's without any question that historically uh, the movements were created for that purpose to express some kind of sexual identity, some kind of sexual Sexuality. Hmm. So, now, should Christians practice yoga with all this said and <laughs> said, be said? Um, I do not. I don't want my family to do that. I don't encourage others to do that. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know that I'm going to necessarily go preach a sermon about it. Maybe I would raise it as a strong pushback in a question form yeah. uh, as a point of application. You know, I've been in the situation a few times where people have brought up yoga. Uh, sometimes I've talked about it. Other times I think I've just let it go by. Um, but yeah, I, I certainly would not encourage people to do so and would have concerns uh, about it. What do you you? How about think when, should or should not? Yeah. How, well, I, I do want to, before I give my answer, I want to ask, what about when generic stretches are just labeled as yoga? Do you think that Christians should do that? Um, well, like you said earlier, names do matter. I, I mean, I think like stretching itself is, is not bad or demonic. Yeah. Um, it's, it's good. And actually, as the older I get, I'm like, oh, man, I, really, I have to spend time stretching uh, to prevent my muscles from being as tight and causing other kinds of problems. Um, when I do it, though, I have the lights on, and I mean, I don't have special names for the stretches. I'm more just trying to move my body around to, to loosen up muscles. Um, I'm not doing mind-emptying things or trying mm-hmm. to connect uh, with the inner God or the, the God out there or anyway, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I think they just don't get confused and mixed up like if if you're just stretching that's not yoga no no so so. yeah i would say on both questions that i asked i think we should not we should not practice yoga nor should we uh label something yoga when we're just having generic stretches because i actually and Fortunately, that has been some of the issues that because of synchronism, sometimes, you know, you get non-Eastern religion things, just kind of general uh, basic bodily, uh, you know, bodily things that how the human body works that are kind of connected to this. Uh, but the, I don't think it's wise to, to practice it when it's called yoga. Uh, I think obviously the former is worse, overtly practicing yoga. But like you said, words matter. Everything is theological. Uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, and I do think clearly there's elements of synchronism here. Whether, you, whether you're embracing that or not, there is elements of synchronism. Yeah. Now, is it appropriate for churches to have a yoga program for moms? Is that something that your church should go about this afternoon? I would, uh, we're not going to, I I would push pretty hard against it. Um, yeah, I, I, and I'm, I was talking to you offline before this and there's a a church here in town maybe more than one, but I just saw it there, uh, that they had a, a yoga thing like you were talking about. 
And I, I do question that a lot. I think it can send some confusing signals, but it's just sort of, you know, we've adopted things yeah. from the culture. And probably without thinking about it, I, I don't think they have nefarious motives and they're trying to trying to sneak in Eastern religious practices uh, or non-Christian religious practices. I mean, because Christianity is an Eastern religion, let's face it. Um, yeah. <laughs> further East. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I would say even if you aren't concerned in the way that we probably are about yoga, aren't as concerned, I think it's having these kind of things is pretty inconsiderate of the reality of legitimate Christian convictions. And I think it's hard to deny that there are Christian, that there are Christians, even if you disagree with their convictions, that have strong convictions here. And I, and I think it's kind of trods over that and, you know, and it poses on the liberty of other Christians actually to have this kind of thing formally as a church activity. And unfortunately it is becoming more and more common. But I, I think, you know, having a program that literally means oneness with a Brahma at a church at a church is really foolish even if you don't have a namaste because even if you see it's like oh I don't see it as religious you still are having an activity at your church that means oneness with the Brahma <laughs> and that's just a little at odds with you know a church that statement of faith says salvation is in Christ alone Jesus is the only way to the Father and yoga too by the way um, well, you could make shirts to say namaste, and it's like, no, but I'm bowing to the Christ in you, <laughs> yeah, the sure, indwelling right. spirit, man. That's what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I wouldn't even be comfortable, honestly, letting an outside group do it in your building. You know, I, I'm not bothered when mm-hmm. I think it can be wise for churches to let their building be used for other purposes, even for their community. But I, I would say that a church shouldn't even let this kind of thing happen from an outside group. Yeah, I think that would be unwise. Now, how do families navigate the increasing use of yoga in schools? Well, that's a good question. I'm interested to hear from you um, because two of my kids, uh, their mom is their teacher and the other one is at a Christian school. It happens at Christian schools. Well, yeah, that's that's a good point. We're just talking about it happening in churches, so – I think asking for alternatives or exemptions may be uh, legitimate or even maybe question, um, hey, why are we doing this? Um, have we looked at maybe the background here? Um, you really want to make an issue. I mean getting into issues of separation of church and state and uh, kind of institutionalizing practices. Um, we don't have prayer time. Um, and so maybe there's – I don't know. Do they have a moment of silence or something at the beginning of the day? Sometimes not, not really often here. No. Okay. I mean, I know like at you know, athletic events and, uh, graduations and stuff, they'll have a moment of silence, um, for people to, I don't know, do yoga or pray or whatever it is they're going to do. And sometimes it's, you know, like half a second, like, okay, let's move on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, those may be, uh, some things to think of. I, I think, you know, if you're sending your child into that environment, you want to do something that we've talked about. Many times, I mean, we had a specific episode about it, but also just because it's so um, so much intertwined with our lives, but the fear of the Lord and the fear of man um, help prepare your kids to fear the Lord, that, that they may stand out if, if you know they don't do that kind of thing. Um, but how about you? Because I know you've had to navigate this issue. Yeah, so first I do want to say uh, a preface thing. One, I definitively think that it's inappropriate, wildly inappropriate even for – uh, public schools to use yoga 
in the school system. I mean, I think it clearly is is religious. Whether one sees it that way or not, it clearly is, in fact, a religious act. It's created a religious activity, and uh, the public schools do not exist to catechize into a specific religion. Uh, but but beyond that, knowing that that's naive a little bit to say that, and it's not going to change much, even as I am a Baptist and believe in real separation of church and state. I, I think don't be a jerk about it, uh, or don't be shocked when it happens. I think probably even, frankly, knowing the news in the past couple of years, if even if you're in Alabama, don't be shocked when it happens. It's probably going to happen. Uh, but, you know, respond to it in a Christ-like manner, especially because I think a lot of the teachers aren't going to see that it's religious because I think they don't have, a, I, I think it's so ingrained into our culture sense of identity and, and kind of self-expression that, that we've forgotten what religion even means. Uh, I, I do think then, additionally, I mean, talk to the teacher patiently, uh, but I think at the same time, when you talk to your teacher patiently, I think you should choose to opt out for your family. And I think perhaps if that's not an option, you need to take it up. But I don't think this is an issue where, you know, you hurt your witness with the teacher over. Actually, we had to navigate this, and we thought a teacher would not be understanding. And she was pretty understanding. I still wish she wasn't doing yoga for the other kids, but she was very understanding, and, and our child was able to not do any of that. So. Oh, well, that's good to see just, yeah, you've walked through the waters and uh, I can see that being a potentially explosive kind of issue or um, not going well. So uh, praise God that it did. How can next generation ministries teach about yoga, even as the culture takes yoga for granted? Well, I think we can be teaching about spiritual disciplines in general because I think some people may try to group it into that. Oh, it's a way to pray or you know this or that uh, and help people understand what spiritual disciplines are and what they are not. Um, again, back to that principle from that text in Second Peter that God has given us all that we need for life yeah. and godliness. And so teaching kids about that, uh, I mean, I know the seminary that we went to, did you ever go across the street to the other seminary? I did not. No, I may have walked close to it, but I don't. I've never gone onto the campus. Okay, so I would go over there occasionally to use the library because the, the seminary there was a uh, Presbyterian. It was less theologically yeah. conservative, yeah. and uh, so sometimes if the the good books that you wanted or needed for a paper were checked out or unavailable at our library you could find them at this other library because i mean it was just true so and thankfully they had an agreement where you could go back and forth and you know i mean it was a good good way to partner in that way there's probably other things plenty of other things those two seminaries would not have been aligned on um but they had a labyrinth out there beside or very close to the the library um, and I used to live next to this church, this uh, Episcopal church that had a labyrinth where you could walk and, and pray. And I don't know that that's – I don't know all the origins of labyrinth. I think of that weird movie with David Bowie, Bowie, whatever his name was, um, from the 80s. That was – my goodness, that was a weird movie. Have you seen that? Maybe. I think years ago, but I don't really remember it. I, I saw it in college with these group of people. They were so excited about it and uh, – Tiffany and I, we were, you know, we were dating, and both of us, we, the group of people we were, they were more into like fantasy and stuff, and we weren't. Yeah. And it was just like, this is not our thing. <laughs> um, but so I don't know. 
I don't know all the origins of labyrinths, but some of these extra biblical things, though, do this to connect with God. Um, just these are not necessary. Uh, and again, if you if you have these other connections, like we've been talking about, that's get into the danger territory. Um, I mean, and you got to ask yourself, like, do you want fruit from a poison tree? Um, yeah. And just teach them to seek wisdom to seek to grow in wisdom and, and discernment as we assess the things that are mm-hmm. coming at us from the culture um and, and really i mean the question like are you in the place of god from an authority standpoint to sort of uh make who you are make yourself in your own image and we see that with some of the gender and identity issues um but then also to sort of just pick your own religious spiritual practices um like do you have that kind of authority yeah uh, th- those are the things that i, I would be kind of thinking um, as ways in and just areas that you'd want to fortify and teach. Uh, but what comes to your mind? Yeah, I think that's awesome. I wouldn't add much. I, I did note, I think maybe this can be a touch point as we navigate idolatry. You know, I, I sometimes I've noticed young people can struggle with thinking about idolatry in the biblical sense because, you know, there's not uh, there's not altars to Baal as much as there was. Although I did went to a store and they were selling uh, little Buddhist idols uh, at the store, and I had to point that out to my kids. <laughs> but uh, well, around we have a lot of people from India that uh-huh. live in our area because of medical and engineering um, employers, yeah. and so um, you'll see them driving down the road. They'll have little idols uh, perched up on the dashboard. Wow. Yeah. Um, interesting. So, so but I yeah, that I, I think we can use as a touch point to navigate what the biblical teachings and idolatry are. Uh, but other than that, I think kind of what you said really hit the nail on the head, but yeah, but I, I do want to ask, uh, is hesitancy about hesitancy about yoga, just legalism, you know, are we just kind of a bunch of, you know, wooden headed legalists that are just trying to stop people from dancing? Like in, uh, what was that movie? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. The Kevin Bacon one. <laughs> but, uh... Uh, well, I would say no. Now, I've heard that this is kind of making a analogy on the side. I've heard it. Uh, someone say, like, uh, we shouldn't use drums in, in any kind of worship uh, setting, musical worship, singing to the Lord, because there's these groups in, like, tribal Africa or something um, who they use drums to arouse sexual desires or something mm. like that. And so um, to me, I, I think that's more of a legalistic argument. So therefore, all people should not use drums um, because, yeah, you hear that ba-boom, boom, and you know, you're not thinking about the Lord anymore. Um, <laughs> but I think here the connections of this is the, the lines are a lot clearer, and so I don't think it's legalistic kind of notions or you know, Pharisees, um, that, that we could be opening ourselves up to, like you said, taking on other elements of Eastern religion. And again, not that it's a full-on slippery slope, but things that could be dangerous for us um, that could be hinder our witness to Christ um, and just downright not good for us. Yeah. Yeah, and I've known Christians to bring out, again, the First Corinthians 8, but no, I do not think this is a legalism issue. I think that the idea when somebody would call concerns about doing an expression that, you know, even the terminology is religious, if somebody calls that legalist, I don't know what legalist is. 
Uh, you know, this is really about bringing back to right doctrine. It's not about building unbiblical rules. This is about establishing what is true about God, uh, rather than even necessarily about doing the particular postures. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I wouldn't, I'm not bothered if Christians do some of those postures and don't call them yoga if there is some benefit. I would question whether there really is, but, uh, but we can navigate them more in a bit. But I, I do think it's not legalism to have a concern about what we say and our theology. So I also think mm-hmm. legalism uh, could, uh, could condemn those who rename the decent parts and spit out the bad. So there might be a legalistic approach to this. You know, it might be a legalistic approach to say that the person that does anything that's ever done in yoga, well, that person's, you know, just really wrong and, and despicable. You know, maybe if by chance you accidentally, like, trip in the pulpit and end up doing <laughs> a yoga posture as you sit down, that uh, you need to be canceled. <laughs> but I'm not sure many people doing that. So, but uh, finally, does a Christian family practicing yoga mean that they're heretical or really dangerous, Ben? Uh, certainly not heretics. Um, and uh, you know, it could just be an indication there's a lack of discernment there or a lack of knowledge and awareness of something. Yeah. So. I want to be careful about throwing rocks. Now, if someone's trying to make an outright case of, you know, Christian syncretism, that's where I would have some some question. But if they're just like, oh, yeah, it's cool and I feel relaxed, I, I think they're probably doing it without thinking. And so th- that's a different kind of – I think our motives matter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and I think in a lot of ways, I, I, I think we should have the charity – that I think others have had towards me when I've done things that I think were not biblically helpful. I remember, and we talked about this in the gambling podcast we did a while ago, but when we were in, in seminary, uh, there was a office pool for the lotto, and just to kind of get along with people in the office, I I would put money towards it with anticipation of losing. And uh, and I was there was uh, actually a supervisor of ours who was now a missionary. Uh, he, he talked to me about it, and he kind of explained Expressed to me why that why there's bigger issues that I'm seeing in it, and, and I think I do was able to change my perspective as a result of that. And so I suspect the vast majority, maybe ninety percent of Christians that practice yoga, it really is just a matter of ignorance rather than a matter of willful rebellion. Uh, and I think this doesn't make yoga or mindfulness non-issues. That doesn't mean that it doesn't matter because people are doing ignorance. Uh, but uh, And I actually even worry about the f- more on the future implications that it'll have as it's embraced more. But I think the average Christian family doing it, uh, no, I don't think that they're doing anything inherently pagan by, uh, by intentions. I don't think that it's something they should be jumped on, nor should we even excommunicate them or kick them out of leadership if somebody's family practices yoga after family worship and doesn't believe in worshiping Buddhist or Hindu religious figures. Something I had not thought about doing about uh, doing after family worship. I've not, I've never heard of somebody doing yoga after family worship, but you know, you never know. (laughs) Well, I I hope this has been a good podcast discussion for our listeners. I know uh, I've enjoyed thinking through this topic and, uh, I suspect if any of our listeners started this podcast uh, doing yoga poses, they're not listening doing yoga poses at this point in the podcast. Wouldn't you agree, Ben? Uh, yes, yes. Get out of that downward dog. And, uh, <laughs> Into the know. Bible. 
Right. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, it was good talking to you, brother. Have a good day. You too. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.